This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hey, welcome to the Dick Morris Show. I'm here with Doug, my, my friend's associate sidekick advisor, Doug DePere. <laughs> Hello, Dick Morris. And this show is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. You know, it's, yesterday was Veterans Day, and that's, of course, on November 11th. But there's a little story it's worth noting. When they concluded the armistice, meaning the ceasefire, but it turned out to be permanent until World War II happened, uh, after World War I, they announced the, the diktat from the high command was that all firing on both sides should stop at 11 a.m. on the 11th day of November. Uh, 11th month, 11th day, 11th 11 month, 11th day, 11 a.m. Yeah. Wow. And uh, there's a certain symmetry to that because they killed each other right up to it. There's a wonderful movie called um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, yeah. Where, uh, where the soldier reaches over to pick a flower at the end of his trench. Uh, a few minutes before 11, he gets killed. Um, incredible. Anyway, happy Veterans Day. So um, there is a new poll out by Bloomberg, uh, the third in a series of polls that have been terrible for Biden. And uh, this one shows that on every single issue, 10 issue areas, including some that are heavily Democratic issues, Trump is leading Biden. Get it. Trump and Biden marching to the beat of a different drum as Linda is singing. But even on Democratic-leaning issues, Trump manifests the lead over Biden on 10 key issues. What's most significant is that even on Democratic issues like labor and unions, infrastructure and housing, Trump leads Biden. Uh, So, of course, if you're going to put up crime and stuff, Trump will lead him. But to lead on Democratic issues is really something. And Biden doesn't win any of them, zero. Uh, so when asked who you think would do the better job on the economy, okay, that's Trump 50, Biden 34, one hell of a margin. But then who would do the better job on infrastructure? Trump 42, Biden 39, after Biden passed this ridiculous Build Back America infrastructure bill. And all the signs on the roadway say this highway repair and two-hour delay is brought to you by the bipartisan yeah, infrastructure right. bill. Um, and then on housing, which is a staple Democratic issue, uh, Trump 39, Biden 38. And, of course, on crime, Trump 45, Biden 33. On immigration, obviously, Trump 50, Biden 33. U.S.-China relations, 
Trump 46, Biden 34. That's despite the fact that Biden only has to roll over in bed to deal with China. <laughs> really? Uh, oh uh, guns, God. which is sort of the left way of saying it, gun control would be the right wing way. Uh, Trump wins that 42 to 36, and that's always a Democratic issue. Labor and unions, the quintessential Democratic issue. Trump wins by 40 to 39. The Ukraine war, Trump 45, Biden 34. The Israel-Hamas war, Trump 43, Biden 33. So he's beating him on all of the key issues. No matter where you turn, Biden can't get an edge. And overall in this poll, the overall numbers with Trump 40, Biden 36, Robert Kennedy 11, and Cornell West 1, leading by four. In a two-way race, they have Trump still ahead by four. And that's an 800-sample poll. It's a pretty good that's one. That's a big – that's big. And 51 percent of the voters said there is no chance they will vote for Biden. 45 said they, were Bi- they would vote for Biden, and 4 percent said they're potential Biden voters. But Trump had only 48% said no chance as opposed to 51 for Biden. And 49 said they were Trump voters as opposed to 45 for Biden. Kind of close. So, yeah, well, it's close. But, I mean, what do you expect? It's a national sample. And right. It's a big country. Bear in mind when you hear these head-to-heads that we allegedly lost the 2020 race by three points. You know, uh, I forget the numbers, but, yeah. So, uh if we're now winning this by five points, four points, that's a seven-point turnaround, which is very large. And uh, and people say, how can you deal with the possibility of fraud, the probability of fraud? I say, you know, in polling, we have what we call a statistical margin of error, which is that, uh, you know, you, you, we can make a mistake, but it falls within that margin. In this business, we need to have a statistical margin of stealing <laughs> so that we know that they right. can't steal it no matter uh, no matter what they do. But uh, with these basic numbers and Trump having this basic lead, uh, it really – you can't say the election's over because it's got a long way to go. But you can say that Trump will enter the general election significantly ahead and as a frontrunner. If I told you that a year ago, you'd have me locked up. In fact, they'll probably have me locked up for saying it now. Anyway, sure. But for a different reason, different kind of place to go. But um, the point is that that back Maybe in with the white jacket and the, with the long that arms. would be now. Uh, that would be then. Uh, the prison cell would be now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But um, the uh, but the deal is that when a year ago, uh, DeSantis was within four or five points of Trump, and Biden was six or seven ahead of Trump. And uh, tr- the speculation was Trump wouldn't run or he couldn't get the nomination if he did run. And in the face of that, I wrote a book called The Return and predicted that Trump would run, Trump would win the primary, and Trump would win the election. So at the moment, I'm with meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. But I'm hoping that we finish it out with three out of three. Now, and then you have General Flynn, what he's doing yeah, with the polling and with whatnot. General Flynn is, has a plan to deputize uh, people at the polling place, have sheriffs deputize them so that they can actually make arrests when they see fraud. And, and if, you want, if you want to donate to his fund, it's great. It's fightlikeaflynnpack.com. Fightlikeaflynnpack, P-A-C, 
com. Please donate. That will help immensely. Yeah, that will. That will be very, very useful. Um, and and I think that that we're clearly going into the race ahead, and that's very, very important. And we dealt last week with whether Biden would actually run. We all have our theories. Um, but uh, I believe that he certainly is more likely to run than not and more likely to run into a brick wall than not. Fall. Fall yeah. into it. Fall into it, yeah, <laughs> given, the, given the numbers here. So uh, I think we're, we're in very good shape. And, uh, and I love the diversity of issues. You know, when you ask people what are the major issues facing the country in polls, uh, all the voters say inflation, unemployment, illegal immigration, uh, and stuff. Liberals say the big issues are guns, are guns uh, gun violence, as they put it, um, uh, immigration, and uh, climate, change, yeah, climate change, infrastructure, housing. And yet these on these issues, even these issues, Trump is beating Biden, or at least tied with him. So that is just incredible. And then you have that other thing to read, the veterans' uh, little script. Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll do that in a minute. Okay, now when we come back, we're going to talk about a very minor thing, your money. Uh, <laughs> very minor. Yeah, kiss it goodbye if you put it in the bank. And we'll talk about that. In, in, Money matters. If you yeah, don't have we'll it, it we'll talk matter. about that in some detail. Okay. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the Hi, welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro, sponsored by the Hello, Patriot Dick. Gold Group. Um, the banking system of America is on the verge of really possible collapse. And you'll say, well, call me back later. And because, But this time, it's amazing. The whole system is changing, so there will not be a government bailout. Rather, there will be what they call a bail-in, which means you pay for it, not as a taxpayer, but your deposits in the bank get confiscated uh, by the bank and by the government to pay for the uh, deficits in the bank. Um, so because the walls will come tumbling down, I thought we'd talk about Joshua's role with that. Hit it. Very good. Nice pick. The Moody's Investor Services have, is in a very bad mood. Moody's is in a bad mood. <laughs> a few days ago, it cut the U.S.'s outlook to negative from stable, citing high interest rates, government spending, and deficits as far as the eye can see. Bidenomics at work, folks. Moody's said that the U.S. deficits will remain very large, significantly weakening debt affordability. Earlier this year, Moody's put six big U.S. banks on downgrade watch. That's the equivalent of death row. The credit services move to downgrade the entire banking system from stable to negative will have huge impact on, on costs, borrowing costs. So let me walk you through what happened. And this is, you know, finance for dummies. 
Not that you're dummies, but when it comes to this, everybody is. Banks buy large amounts in treasury bills to invest your deposits. That's fine when interest rates are stable. But when they shoot up as they've done, it lowers the value of the bonds in the bank's portfolio, cutting the ground out from under them. So let's say a bank invested a million dollars of your deposits at 3% interest a few years ago and now has to contend with 6% interest. So back in 2022, when rates were 3% and the bank invested a million bucks and got 3% interest, that came to 30000 a year. But now when it tries to sell you a loan, interest rates are up to 6% or 60000 a year. So the guy that buys you a loan that's still at the old 3% rate will make only $30,000, 1 million times 3%. He won't be happy with that, and he's not going to buy you a loan. He knows that he can go elsewhere and get 60000 bucks, 6% on his same million. So why would he buy you a pokey loan that costs him the same million but only pays him 30000 So the bank has to tell the feds that the million-dollar asset that they have from you is now only worth half as much, 500000 because investors know they can make the same $30,000 interest that they would make by buying your loan, and they'd only have to invest half as much, half a million. 500000 at 6% gives them the same 30000 your bond will yield. So the bank's liabilities don't change, but the value of their assets is cut in half. Wow. And that's what's happening to every bank in the country. Remember that the Fed raised interest rates 11 times for a total of five and a half points since last year, seven times in 22 and four times in 23. This sudden and dramatic rate rise crushed the banks who had invested in low-yield mortgage-backed treasury, secu- treasury securities or treasury bills. Okay, so you're saying we've been through all this before. We all remember the plot line. Moody's downgrades the banks, people worry about their money, run to take their money out, and the feds have to step in and stop the bleeding. What do we call it, a bank run? Yeah, but not this time. The International Monetary Fund and Congress have decreed no more bailouts. Mm -hmm. The cavalry ain't coming and the lifeboats won't launch. (laughs) They've hit on a better solution. They call it a bail-in. Rather than getting the money from the government, They'll get it from you. At a stroke, listen up, the Fed will declare you a bank stockholder and make you personally liable for the bank's losses. You didn't buy any bank stock, but it doesn't matter. You filed, you filed, filled out a deposit slip and put your money in the bank. Now the Fed considers you a stockholder, even though you're only a depositor. Say a deposited a million dollars. The Fed will decide they want to raid the bank's deposits and collect a shortfall. So they decree a 20% haircut. That's what they call it for all depositors. So presto, you only have $800,000 in the bank. Presto. The other two hundred has gone up in smoke. You never ran the bank. You never made the decisions. You never had a chance to second-guess the bank's directors. But you are stuck paying back its losses. Have FDI insurance? It, right now, it will only protect you up to $250,000 per person per account. So don't put all your money in one bank account right. if it's over 250 because that money will be gone if the uh, powers that be decide on a haircut. So put 250 in each account. Each account, each account is 250 no more. Yeah, and, and you can insured. have a number of accounts in your name. Right. 
But there's a better solution. Don't put your money in one bank account. Split Buy it cars out. and motorcycles. Yeah. Keep more than a quarter of, don't keep more than a quarter of a million in any one account. Or better yet, don't trust bikes at all. They can change FDIC, don't trust banks at all. They can change FDIC rules and limits anytime Congress wants. So if your bank is teetering on the verge of failure, and they all are, Washington has a choice. Use taxpayer money to bail it out or use FDIC and insured deposits to do so. What do you think they'll do? I can already hear AOC and Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, for that matter, saying we shouldn't soak ordinary Americans from the stakes of the top 1%. Make the rich pay, they'll say. You don't think you're rich? Wait till you hear what the crazy left has to say about it. So don't wait for that. Uh, this is coming down the pike, and you're not safe even if you have FDIC insurance because they're going to say, why should we subsidize the top 1% by general tax revenues? Make them pay for it. doesn't matter that it's not their fault. doesn't matter that they had nothing to do with it. But, you know, we're coming for you. And they're going to start hiding the money again. Yeah, that's right. That's what they're going to do. Break. We'll come right back. All right. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hi, welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Hello, Dick Morris. Let's go to Michael in New Jersey. And Michael. Hello, Michael. I just want to say that, yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So I voted for Trump twice, and if he makes it to the third time, I, you know, and it appears he will, I will vote for him for a third time. Okay. But, Dick, um, you know, if anything I've learned from you uh, over the length of time, you, you always say that you have uh, Trump's ear. But, you know, he's his own worst enemy. And he says a lot of stupid things. And this, this talk about a political hit job that he's going to go after people, you know, for what they did to him, stolen election, Russian hoax. I mean, that's all nonsense. And, you know, if, if you don't have his ear, then who does? Yeah. Well, I have his ear, but I, I don't have his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but somebody's got to be able to get through to him. And, and what's your feeling in, in terms of? Uh, the abortion issue. How How is that well, going to be a, an effect on the general election? I hope not. But let me let me deal with your first thing first. Okay. Um, people say that about Trump. He's his own worst enemy. That's but for God's sakes, man. Look at what he's accomplished. Yes. Look at what he's done politically. And that's what he should stick he's, with. Yeah, but what he should stick with is everything he's doing. It, you can't you can't parse Trump. What he does in one direction is, is as important as what he does in the other direction. It all goes to one fundamental root, which is that you can trust him because he doesn't lie to you. And he's, uh, he's blunt and he's not afraid of telling the truth. And uh, sometimes that is something that you want to hear, like slash the bureaucracy and hold down taxes. Sometimes it's something you don't want to hear, which is I'm going to get even with these SOBs. Right. Uh, but the point is that, that it all underscores his credibility. It all underscores that if it's on his mind, it comes out of his mouth. And as his consultant, I've had to learn to live with that, and now I end up basically celebrating that. 
Um, just like George Patton. Uh, yeah, tell us thing, about that. Right? Go ahead. You wouldn't ask George Patton to lighten up and speak softly in World War II, would you? You'd no. Let and, him go at it. Yeah, and and the, the <clears throat> combat wins come with that. Right. Um, now on abortion, uh, we need to do some more polling on that. I had hoped that the 15-week solution would defang that issue completely. I had hoped that when the idea that you can get an abortion up to 15 weeks, which means that 80 and 85% of the abortions are within the 15 weeks, the first trimester, that everybody would say, okay, well, I can get an abortion, so what do I need to worry about this? Uh, the metaphor I used for that, and maybe it still has some applicability, is that during the Vietnam War, uh, the draft was a huge issue, and it was because all of us kids were draft eligible. So naturally, we raised hell about it because it was our issue. Then Nixon said, I'm not going to draft anybody. Uh, I'm going to, uh, first he said, I'll do a lottery, and I'll only draft you if you have a low number. So half the, half the kids said, well, it ain't me. And then he said, no draft at all, all volunteer army. And that completely changed the debate. Uh, it was no longer a question of my personal survival. So people became much more moderate in their positions on the war. And I had hoped, and still do, that the 15-week thing would permit most women to say, hey, I can get an abortion, what's, what's the problem? Um, I, I think that's still true. But now I'm thinking of the bus fare argument. <laughs> that, that, you know, the, we're a pluralistic country, we have 50 states, and they all have different abortion rules. And they will under this. The thrust of Roe v. Wade was not to make abortion uh, illegal. It was to leave it up to the states as to what they want to do. And Trump brought that so, back, right? Yes, and New York State will, uh, will cheer as you go into the abortion clinic. Uh, Mississippi will go crazy and fight against it. But if you live in Mississippi and you want an abortion and they won't do it, get on a Greyhound bus and go to St. Louis where they'll do it. Yes, you know, it's, it's less than 100 bucks bus fare. And if the left is so bent out of shape about this, raise some money and pay for the bus fares. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's just not worth defeating or choosing a president of the United States over that. So I'm going to poll that and see if that works. Um, it might well. I, I don't know. Um, now, uh, one of the, the big stories this week, I think one of the huge ones, is that, is that Manchin dropped out. Uh, thank God. Uh, and now that means that we have a big break in the U.S. Senate. We only need one defeat of a Democratic incumbent to control the Senate, and we may not need that. If Trump wins and his vice presidential candidate wins as, they, as he would or she would, that means right then we have control of the Senate, 50-50, but it's control. And uh, we'll win a bunch of seats, but... It, the mansion dropping out was so huge, and the media mentioned it. They put covered the story, but nobody drew the conclusion that this is it. This means that Donald Trump will control both houses of Congress mm. and can pass whatever he Get needs to pass. a lot of things done. Gigantic break, and nobody playing it up for what it is. And they don't want to. And Manchin basically said to the Democratic Party and to the voters, uh, you're looking for someone, but it ain't me, babe. Hit it. <laughs> away from my window, leave at your own chosen speed. 
I'm not the one you want, babe. I'm not the one you need. You say you're looking for someone who's never weak but always strong to protect you and defend you, whether you are right or wrong. Someone to open each and every door, but it ain't me, babe. No, 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 it ain't me. So Joe Manson says it ain't me, babe. Woodstock. Ain't me, babe. Big break for the Republicans. Well, why did Manson drop out? He'll get killed if he runs for re-election. This is the single most Republican state in the United States. Uh, Trump squeaked by by 25 points. And, you know, it's, it's just, and Manchin had hoped that by being uh, a moderate and being in play, that he'd be able to, to get reelected. But he's facing reality now, and he understands it. West Virginia is where Manchin is from, right. is the single most Republican state in the country. Didn't used to be, it used to be solidly Democrat. But the coal miners cut the point that the Democrats oppose coal. And, uh, well, that's how he was elected also. That's why he's over to the right a lot. He's, yeah, he is, he's, but he's it, not, enough, right. not, not enough to, enough. to uh-huh. win. Right. So thank God he's out. Good. Uh, now, that makes it easy pickings. Now, it's the Senate, and it really means the Senate, we control the Senate right now. Do you now. have a couple of guys in mind that are going to run? Yeah, I'm going to go through well, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Good. But you peaked. You saw the script. <laughs> Actually, no. Uh, I ignored it. The... Uh, now, there's some chance that he'll run on a new party being formed called the No Labels Party that's supposed to be an independent third party. Uh, this would be the third, thir- the, four- the third of four third parties. You have Robert Kennedy, you have Cornel West, you have uh, maybe the No Labels Party, and you have Jill Stein, who ran on the Green Party last time. What's Kennedy on? He, uh, his own party, I don't know the name of it. Right, and, uh, and, and then you have Jill Stein, who ran on the Green Party and got 2 or 3% of the vote that came right off of the Democrats. So you have four third parties. Uh, and uh, and, and that, that could be, and all of those third parties are good for Trump because Manchin is a Democrat, Kennedy is a Democrat, Stein is a Democrat, and, and, uh, and um, who's the other one? They're all Democrats. So all, the votes will all come off of Biden. Now, that raises the question of where we stand in, take in the Senate. Uh, but bear in mind that, thankfully, this is a little bit of an academic discussion because we just got control of the Senate in the future. So start with West Virginia is an automatic pickup. There are two candidates, Jim Justice, the Republican governor, and... Um, I forget his name, the Attorney General, uh, who is also a, a Republican. But it's a shoe-in. Uh, Justice will probably win the primary, and even if he doesn't, either of them will win the election. Well, that's good to hear. So, then there's Montana. There are really three seats we have a very, very good chance of picking up, in addition to West Virginia. There's Montana, where John Tester will have to face either Matt Rosendale, Rosendale who's an at-large Congress. He represents the whole state. Or Tim Sheehy, a retired Navy SEAL. Or Brad Johnson, the former head of the Montana Public Service Commission. Um, Tester has been living a charmed life. 
He's a Democrat in probably one of the most Republican states in the country. And this year he's had to vote for all kinds of things that ain't very healthy to vote for in Montana, like men fight, men competing in women's sports, oh, yeah. um, being able to have gender change operations and keep it secret from the parents. Uh, right rep- there, that's so messed up. Reparations for slavery, uh, allowing critical race theory to be taught in schools, a lot of stuff that will absolutely kill him. And I don't think Tester's going to survive that. Tester was at the start. And this is in Montana? Montana. Say? And they're going to have the... Yeah. Tester is, uh, is one of the dumbest members of the Senate. I know that because I know him personally. But, I mean, he's absolutely an idiot. <laughs> uh, the, uh, call, I, call in Tess. I, I called uh, I, in a book I wrote years ago. I said that he did an interview, and the only question where he was responsive was when they asked him, well, thank you very much for being here, Senator Tester. What do you want and for like, lunch? Like a whip, he replied... Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's Montana. Arizona is the second place where we could pick up a seat. Uh, you followed the play there. Uh, Kristen Sinema was elected senator six years ago, and she has voted largely with the Democrats, but occasionally not. She's like been with Manchin, Manchin and Sinema with the two people that stopped the Democrats from running the slate. Oh, yeah, right. And she left the Democratic Party and will run as an independent. And the Democrats nominated one of their robots, Ruben Gallego, who's a congressman and uh, from Arizona. So it's going to be a three-way race. Cinema on the, on the Democratic line, sorry, Cinema on the independent line, Ruben Gallego is a Democrat, and Carrie Lake is the Republican. Now, Carrie Lake should win that. Uh, the problem is that she's got the question of how does she run? Does she run against Cinema or does she run against Gallego? My own advice to her is that she has to run against Cinema because Cinema uh, can pose as the impartial arbiter between the two parties, the dispassionate judge who calls it as she sees it and isn't captured by either party. And Lake needs to compete for that vote. But I think Lake is very likely to win. In fact, I think the big obstacle to Lake's victory is that Trump may tell him to run for vice president instead. So <laughs> keep your eye on Arizona. Right. And by the way, Manchin's retirement makes it more likely that Lake will run for vice president because her vote isn't needed in the Senate any longer. Um, then the third state is Nevada, where Jackie Rosen is the senator. And she has a great formula for getting elected. She keeps totally secret the fact that she's in office. <laughs> Nobody knows she's alive. I mean, What's she, her name again? Jackie Rosen. And if you lived in Nevada, you'd ask the same question. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I mean, she, she, she's totally innocuous. Uh, she ran as a mother running for the Senate and, and that she would bring a woman's perspective to it. But, I mean, she just is, is totally out of her depth. And there are three possible candidates against her. Sam Brown, who's a decorated veteran. Uh, Jeff Gunther, who's a undecorated scoundrel. And Jim Marchant, who is the, a very good guy, the guy Trump will probably support. He's a great guy, um, too. Gunther was the, uh, <laughs> was the ambassador to Iceland. And uh, he should have moved there. Because uh, at, when COVID broke out, he left his post. He said, I'm not sticking around to catch COVID. Oh, you're right. So he moved back to the United States, leaving the embassy vacant. 
and uh, and the Secretary of State had to call him and say, "I order you to go back on your post for him to return." And uh, and he also insisted on an armed guard and carrying a gun and all kinds of stuff. He's he's and, but his one redeeming feature is he's rich. Uh, he's a um, he's a dermatologist, and uh, he sheds his skin to change his party. So he has skin in the game. Yeah, skin in the game. But uh, really, uh, Montana, Arizona, and Nevada, we have a heck of a chance of picking up two of those three. And then there are two other seats where we have a good chance. Uh, Sherrod Brown, who is clearly the most radical left-wing member of the Senate, uh, is running is running for re-election. What state? Uh, I'm sorry, Ohio. And uh, he's got some very good opponents. A great one who I've met with is Bernie Marino. Uh, who is oh, yeah, running in great. Ohio. Nice guy. And there's Matt Dolan and there's Frank LaRose. But I think Marino's going to win the primary, and I think he's going to beat Sherrod Brown. But and Ohio, you see, the basic thing is that the, the ground shifts under the feet of a U.S. senator because they get elected from a Democratic state, and then it becomes a Republican state. And they're stuck in office, and there's mm. nothing they can do about it. That happened to Manchester. How do, wait, how does that happen? Well, get elected West Dem- Virginia used to be a Democratic state. Right. It was a labor union state, uh, standing for jobs, union benefits. And then the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, declared war on coal and there said, we're going to close down sure. your whole industry. We're uh-huh. going to throw you all out of work. Got it. Vote for us. Right. In fact, the head of the coal miners union was so retarded that he endorses Biden who wants to put him out of business by right. eliminating coal. Right. I remember uh, that. So, so the same thing's happening in Ohio, which we used to be a, a Democratic state. Then it became a swing state, the most swing state in the country, along with Florida. And then it's be, now it's become a Republican state. Uh, Trump carried it by seven or eight points. In the last election, uh, we defeated their incumbent senator and elected a Republican. And... Um, I think that Ohio is shifting, and Sherrod Brown has stayed way over to the left. So I think we're going to pick up that seat. Moreno? Yeah, with Moreno, I hope. The other race where we've got a very good chance is Pennsylvania. Uh, We lost there last time with Dr. Oz, and he had beaten David McCormick in the primary. Now McCormick is running again against the incumbent Bob Casey. When I read that, I feel very old because... My first client was his father, Robert Casey, uh, when he was running for you governor. Must, you must be old. Yeah. He was running for governor in 1978. But um, Casey's been in for a long time. And I think McCormick has a decent shot against him. He's four points behind right now, but we'll see. Pennsylvania has moved from a solidly Democratic state to a purple state right in the middle. And it could go either way. Let's go back to these two guys who are yeah. Bob Casey and David McCormick. Who's, who's Republican? Bob Casey is the incumbent right. Democrat, and McCormick will be the Republican candidate. Got it. Yeah. Okay, and then there are two races where we probably won't win, but we might. Uh, one is New Jersey, where, uh, the, where the congressman is Bob Menendez, who's now getting convicted for his second felony. Uh, and and he he's been knocked out of the race for re-election, and uh, one of the leading candidates is Phil Murphy's wife, the governor's wife, right? Tammy Murphy. If I could play, if you can cue up Tammy, Tammy, Tammy's in love, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> you know the song, Kevin. 
I and, don't know it. Yeah, but don't Kevin, you? I'm sure Kevin you knows know it. He knows Duncan. everything. Okay. And uh, the state's not in love with Tammy. Um, but uh, so I don't know. If, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, um, and he'll, Tammy will face uh, Congressman Andy Kim in the Democratic primary. And the Republicans. Oh, oh, oh. This is why Kevin gets the big bucks. So that'll be the campaign song. <laughs> that'll be hard to campaign yeah. song. Nice work, Kevin. And it looks like the Republicans can be a guy named Andrew Sidman Aristoff, who is, who is anti-Trump, but he's a Republican, and um, he may be unopposed in the primary. In the other state we might pick up is Michigan. Uh, Debbie Stabenow, the senator, announced her retirement and Elise Slotkin, a Democrat, regular left-winger. So Debbie, whatever the name is, she's, Demo, Demo, she's out. Democrat also. And she's out. And, then, and Elise Slotkin is a Democrat mm-hmm. who will probably take her place. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a free-for-all for who is a Republican. The front-runner is a guy named James Craig, who is the police commissioner for Detroit. Right. And based on his stellar record of eliminating crime in Detroit. Oh, it's great. Detroit's done, great. Yeah. And uh, and three former congressmen, Rogers, Majer, and a current congressman, Huizinga, are running. And you, know, you remember Perry Johnson, the guy who ran $5 billion of ads no. when he was running for president? You met him in a bar with me. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And he thought, he thought he could beat Trump, and he's finally given up. That was funny. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he may run. We also. laughed at him when we left. We did. So... So, you know, we, we've got control of the Senate because of Manchin. We've got a very good shot at probably four additional seats, Montana, Arizona, Nevada, and Ohio. What is, what is your, uh, uh, what's your number on that? What is uh, the percentage that we might? Well, we don't have current polling in any of these because they're, they're brand new. Uh, the last poll I saw, Kerry Lake, Lake was at, oh, the chances? The chances. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I think it's probably, I think, probably a, a major, more likely than not that we win at least a few of these. Good. And we only, we don't need to win any, but if we win one or two, right. it'll give us some breathing room. Sure. But do you realize what that means? It means that Donald Trump will have both houses of wow. Congress. And that means go, guy, go. A lot of people getting locked up. <laughs> it, does. it does. Oh, I hope. It does. It, it really is incredible. And uh, so the media didn't play that, but it certainly They're not is going true. to either. either. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so when we come back, we will talk about Barack Obama and Israel. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle. Welcome back. This is Dick Morris with Doug DePiro, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 77 WABC listeners support veterans and their families this Veterans Day by donating to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. That's Tunnel, the number two, Towers Foundation. All you have to do is to go to wabcradio.com slash T2T to donate that and open your wallet and your purse. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation do all they can to support the vets of our great country. Show your support for them this Veterans Day and go to wabcradio.com slash T2T and donate. Also, 77 WABC is proud to support the Lee Greenwood Concert Experience this Sunday, uh, this Sunday, today. You can send a veteran and a guest to see Lee's All-Star Concert Experience and receive the DVD version for yourself with a $50 contribution. Oh, I love that. I think I lo- there's still time for it because concert's probably at night. I, I love this, this thing. It's great. Learn more and support a veteran now at adoptavet.com. Now, um, there ain't no lover spurned, lover who gets madder than a lover spurned. <laughs> and uh, that's what Alan Dershowitz is at the moment. Uh, so uh, Dershowitz used to support, uh, used to be support Biden. And he uh, worked for him, voted for him, and liked him. But now he has turned on Biden fiercely. Hit it. Trump believes that uh, Dershowitz didn't vote for Biden, that he voted for Trump. He always says it. I think he voted for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Dershowitz said, I'm ashamed that I thought you were my friend uh, to Barack Obama. He said, Obama is an enemy of the Jewish people. He said, said, Obama says, both sides of the conflict harbor responsibility. What Hamas did was terrific, and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, palace, that the occupation, what's happening to Palestinians is unbearable, he added. If you want to solve the problem, you have to take in the whole truth. You have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. This is what Obama said. What Obama said. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, the facts are that Gaza has been under Israeli military control since 1967. But in the mid-80s, 1983, they passed the Oslo Accords, and Israel signed it. And it set up the Palestinian Authority, which was supposedly a democracy uh, to control the both territories, the West Bank and Gaza. And they had an election, and Hamas won, and then it seized power and threw everybody out. And in 2005, Israel unilaterally withdrew its military forces from Gaza and dismantled its settlements. It literally woke up 10,000 families in the middle of the night and said, you're moving. And they all had to move back to Israel and not live in Gaza. Mm -hmm. So it is not occupied by the Israelis. It's not under military occupation. They have a blockade, which is supported by Egypt, which means all land, sea, and air uh, communications are prevented and goods can't flow freely back and forth. 
But to say that it's under occupation is absurd. It is most totally not under occupation. And these bastards... By Israel. By Israel. Yeah, and these bastards couldn't do what they're doing if it were under occupation. Uh, and uh, Obama and Dershowitz said, you can't make those kinds of comparisons, Barack Obama. I have to tell you what you did is just despicable. It's beneath contempt. Whatever respect I had for you, I have absolutely lost. Fortunately, so many other Americans lost respect for you. I'm ashamed that I was your friend. I'm ashamed that I invited you to my birthday party. I'm ashamed that I accepted your <laughs> Did invitation he say that? to he the Oval me. Office. Wait, he said I'm ashamed my... birthday party. I'm ashamed that I accepted your invite to the Oval Office. I'm ashamed that I allowed you to fool me into thinking that you actually support Israel, and you do not. Dershowitz continued. It wasn't a slip of the tongue. It was a very carefully contrived statement trying to create a sense of equality and moral unclarity mm-hmm. and moral comparison between something that can never be excused, murder, rape, beheadings, and something that is controversial politically. You've been an enemy of justice, an enemy to Israel. It's a great letter to get in the mail. An enemy to the <laughs> Jewish people, an enemy to decency. And I'm embarrassed I ever thought as highly as you as I obviously did. Wow. I was fooled by you. I'll never be fooled again. First, he said the occupation is unbearable. Obama just lied through his teeth. There is no occupation of Gaza. If life is unbearable in Gaza, it's because Hamas has been in control. The kleptocracy, that I means it's state based on stealing. The whatocracy? Klept, you heard, but kleptomaniac guy yeah, who steals yeah, it. Uh-huh. Kleptocracy is government by those kind of folks. Wow. People have stolen billions of dollars that were intended for humanitarian aid and put it in their own bank accounts sure. from Qatar. Qatar. Sure. So other than that, uh, Alan, tell us what you really feel. That's <laughs> great. You've got to yeah. respect the guy for, for saying you all of this stuff. You should do. And, and boy, it's important. And, you know, we've been talking about Michelle Obama running for president. And America needs to hear what Dershowitz just said. And Dershowitz did not vote for Trump. He, to his, Trump hates it, but he says that all the time. Yeah, he does, right. And, uh, and it's, so it's, it's clearly accurate. And uh, we need to understand the code that Obama and Biden, for that matter, speak in when they say we need peace and we all have to contribute to it. It's saying that you were as much at fault as the others were. It's like telling the Jews on the way to the camps, oh, uh, we have to stop this barbarism and both sides are at fault, you know, the Nazis yeah, and the yeah, Jews. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and it's nobody's hands are clean. And uh, it, it's just wrong. It's a lie. It's a big lie. And Barack and I guess Michelle are indulging it and spreading it all over the place. And it's very important that we have the moral clarity here that this That's is That's what it is, the moral clarity. That's this exactly. is not a colonial occupation. Uh, this is, a, in fact, the opposite. It was a liberation of the country that the crazies went into and took over to try to turn Gaza into a weapon against Trump, against uh, Israel. Right. Okay. And they're working it. They're working it well. Now, um, my good friend, uh, my good friend Jeanine Pirro, said that yesterday that the election this year was a wipeout, but she didn't take account of Long Island. And when we come back, we can talk about Long Island. Long going red. Island. Long. Long Island going red. 
It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Guess I'm stuck in the middle with you. There was one bright red spot in the municipal elections earlier this week. And that's really the only one that we needed to be read, Long Island. Uh, I don't much care how, uh, how Kentucky votes or how Mississippi votes. And I don't much care about a ballot issue in Ohio because the underlying drift of the state is very good. Uh, but, the, but I do care decisively what happens in Nassau and Suffolk counties because they're the two largest counties, I, I, they used to be in New York, uh, two million, two and a half million in each. Yeah. And they really are the tail that wags the dog in terms of New York. And the Republican Party has scored enormous victories in Suffolk County, and we need to celebrate them. Hit it. Republicans won a landslide victory in Suffolk County Executive. Ed Romaine yeah. defeated Democrat David Calone, which means the GOP now holds every countywide office in both Suffolk and Nassau counties. Every countywide office. And, and these counties were historically uh, counties that we couldn't win. Uh, they were historically liberal counties. And it is so incredible that we did that. And, and Republicans now have a supermajority in the Suffolk County Legislature. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Hi, everybody. This is Dick Morris with Doug DePiro. Hello, Dick. Sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. The confusion before was that I'm not used to doing a two-hour show. This is only my fourth one, I think. And when we're, you're on at the top of the hour, you have to break for news and stuff like right that. Right at that minute. I right. didn't realize that. Um, but what I was saying is that the reason we controlled the House of Representatives is that we won in Suffolk County. Uh, two of the seats, two of the three-seat majority, actually two of the four seats, come from Suffolk and Nassau counties. And that's our margin of victory. And it's under new leadership. There's wonderful new Republican Party leadership in Suffolk County. A guy named Bob Curcio mm -hmm. basically put it together, and he did the get-out-the-vote operation that Republicans all over the country should have done and have not done. And you see the you see the results there. Um, let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Oh, good afternoon, Hi, Dick Sa and Doug. You know, last night I was in the gym and I was speaking to a very intelligent lawyer. She's a conservative person, and I said, you know, I'm very uneasy these days with the government. I don't trust the government, and I'm feeling all this anxiety. And then I come home. And I go to Dick Morris University, Dick Morris Democracy, but I call it university. And I go on your show, <laughs> and I learn about uh, the police state. It's like just like what I'm feeling yeah. in the gym. I come home, and I'm hit with that. 
So I did sign up for the course. You know, it's required, as you say, the, um, you know, the police state film net.com. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm, I'm ready to go. But What's are, are you okay, Sandra? <laughs> what she's talking about, folks, is Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, The Police State. It's a great movie. That we saw at Mar-a-Lago a week ago. And it's an incredible movie. It starts with 9-11 and shows how originally to fight terror and then to fight COVID, and then to uh, rig the election, uh, the police state police grew more and more powerful. Right, FBI. And, and we were more and more manipulated by them. And it follows an ontological progression that we're headed to the uh, regular takeover of the country. Um, but go ahead, Sandra. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 no. It's okay. So I'm all set to watch it tonight. But I have to tell you, I'm becoming very... Thick-skinned. I mean, I saw two videos. I shared one last week. I got another one that's even worse. And then, you know, all the stuff that I hear every single day, I guess I'm getting thick-skinned. But, uh, well, don't but, get thick-headed. Thick-skinned is okay. we got to vote Trump in. He's going to yeah. stop it. He's going to stop Thank it. You. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. Appreciate it. Now, we're about to have a fight breakout between Michael and Steve. Uh, Michael called in a few minutes ago and said that Trump is his own worst enemy. And Steve in Brooklyn says he has no idea what he's talking about. Let's go, Steve. Come on, Steve. Yeah, Put Steve is really dukes. Larry. You got the name wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, Steve, Larry. Okay. Yeah, okay, listen, Dick, I got to tell you something. Callers like, like Michael from New Jersey, they reduce stupidity to a stereotype. Because so many people say the same thing about Trump, and they're all stupid. If this guy didn't go around proclaiming his innocence after four unjust indictments, the, the general public, which has proved how stupid they are by voting for Biden, even if he did steal the election, all the votes that he got staying in the basement, the general public has proved stupidity. If they would think Trump, they would automatically assume Trump is guilty. Nobody knows the legal system. I'm sick of these stupid callers who say Trump is their own worst enemy. If they would have a tenth of Trump's IQ, and, and you got to call these people out. Yeah. And that's the first thing I want to well, say. You're absolutely and right. Want, and the Go second ahead. thing I want to say is Dershowitz is as naive as as the guy from the, Michael is stupid. Because what was Dershowitz <laughs> thinking when, when, when uh, Obama did the uh, Iran uh, deal, that he was right. a great guy? Yeah. Well... Yeah, but, boy, I welcome Dershowitz to our side, and I welcome his language. Um, but you're right, Mike. You know, when you talk about Trump saying what he thinks and I mean, being Larry. Un- undiplomatic, uh, go back to Kim Jong-un of North Korea. Uh, he threatened the United States and said, I have a button I can push that will blow up America. Yeah. And Trump got back to him and said, hey, Buster, I got a button bigger than you. <laughs> and that shut him up completely. And he was tamed for three and a half years. Rocket man. No missile tests, no bombs, nothing. Then the minute Trump left office, he was back testing his bombs and his missiles. Yeah, because Biden's uh, weak. And sometimes Trump's, Trump's bluntness and strength in speaking is a very, very important weapon of his. So it makes and, him him. That's it. Yeah. It's I don't like, want to disarm like, them. It's like Patton. That's why to... these gag orders are so pernicious. Oh, the, the arrogance of these gag orders, think about it. Yeah, if you're fighting over a parking ticket or if a bank robbery was committed 
and you shouldn't intervene in the thing and you shouldn't try to bias the jury. Okay. But we're talking about a guy running for president, for God's sakes. And what is more important? Your stupid case where you claim he overvalued his real estate and even though nobody was defrauded and nobody was hurt and nobody's suing, you're going after him. Is that more important than hearing what a candidate for president of the United States, the front runner, the Republican nominee, has to say? That is such an arrogance, colossal goal. You see what we're talking about? The president getting indicted? Really? Yeah, right. Form the former president? And, and, that alone. And being subject to a gay order. You know, and incredible. Thing. Now, um, the new House Speaker uh, has a very, Mike Johnson, has a very interesting proposal. And it's the first thing he said that I really love about him. He proposes taking the money that we need to spend for Ukraine and taking it out of the frozen Russian assets we have in the United States. (laughs) Uh, It's basically what Steve Miller bands called Take the money and run. Hit it. <laughs> and Johnson proposes that Biden get his $106 billion for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and the southern border from the frozen assets that the Russians had in the United States that we froze when they invaded uh, Ukraine. Poetic justice. In fact, Johnson said taking that money would be pure poetry. And I love that. I mean, I love the innovativeness of it. I love his, his guts in saying that. I think he's, he's terrific. Let's go to Ed in Florida as a comment about my warnings about Moody's. Hey, Ed. Hey, Dick. Uh, it's good to talk to you again. Well, you know, at least uh, President Trump is not uh, doing John Ritter's Therese Company, I'm Falling Over the Couch. So <laughs> That's good. Yeah. No, but the reason I called is, uh, you know, did you see Moody's uh, downgraded us because of our high deficits yeah. and spending, inflation, all that? Yeah. I didn't see that on the uh, 6 o'clock news. Well, you saw it on my show earlier today. I talked about it for about 20 minutes. Um, did, did you did you hear that on my show? Okay. Well, yeah. The reason that they're downgrading stuff is that the raise in interest rates means that the value of the assets they have is eroding under their feet. Uh, they have a bond that's worth a million dollars. That's one of their assets. And uh, when you go to sell it, uh, the guy who wants to buy it says, "This is a three percent interest." What the hell am I going to put a billion dollars down for to get $30,000 in interest when I can get the same amount by putting only half a million dollars down because the interest rates have doubled? So you have to call the Fed and say, hey, you know where I said I have have a million of assets? I only have 500,000. And because of that, these banks become insolvent. Uh, Their assets are not enough to pay their liabilities. And that's why they're downgrading the U.S. and that's why... Uh, we are in serious danger uh, of, of default by these banks. And as I said earlier, and please heed it, you've got to make sure that you do not have more than $250,000 in any one bank account. You can have five accounts in a bank all in your own name, all for 250 but only put 
but don't put more than 250 in any one account because the FDIC insurance only insures 250 or more per account, not per right. person, mm-hmm. per account. And, uh, and if you're smart, take your money out of the bank entirely because God knows what they're going to do to you. Buy motorcycles and classic yeah, cars. That's right. Convertibles. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about electric cars and the latest problems Chunk. they're encountering. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. So a couple of speeches ago, Joe Biden announced triumphantly that he's going to include in his anti-inflation package, which was nothing of the sort, provisions for charging stations for electric batteries and EV cars throughout the country. And uh, this was with great fanfare. And now sales of electric cars are slowing down. People are not buying it. And the Democratic Senate voted against his plan to, char- to set up these charging stations. Really? Against it. They, 50 voted against it, 48 voted for it. Four Republicans, this guy Tester, who we've talked about, Manchin, who's just left, Sherrod Brown, who's an endangered species, and Christian Cinema, who's an independent, all voted against spending the money on charging stations. And a guy named Tesla? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. A guy named a guy Tesla named voted Tesla. against. It's called Tester, but you're right. That's cool. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. Uh, so Biden's not going to get his charging stations. And uh, you'll have your he EV. Needs, he needs charging. You'll have your EV car, and you can go whizzing by the gas stations, but your car doesn't run on gas. It runs on electricity. You better be going downhill. Yeah, and you better look all over the place for a charging station. Now, Biden says, hey, it's just a regular electric outlet you plug it into. Yeah, okay. But it takes it between 12 and 24 hours to charge your no, car. No, 24 to 48 hours. Okay. The last one uh, I told us that. Just on a regular line, a uh, charging station. It's not so great. It's still four hours, but right. that's as opposed to 20 seconds to fill up your tank. They ain't got it yet. That's yeah. the bottom line. So we hit it. Thank you. Sitting on a powder keg and giving off sparks. That's <laughs> a good kidding. definition of electric cars. <laughs> But um, but this is the centerpiece, you know, of Biden's climate change agenda, uh, switching to electric cars. And electric cars are having big kinds of problems. Uh, Britain announced that it is abandoning its goal of replacing the uh, the um, internal combustion engine in 2030, and now they're going to give it until 2035. And every country is doing that. They're all pulling the plug on their electric cars, pardon me. And can, you know, first of all, would you just say 2035? What's with the number? 
Try, just do it. Get it done whenever you can. Don't give a number. Oh, we have to have it by 25, 35, yeah, or whatever. But they, that's like I want to lose weight by uh, next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? That's what the diet people say. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> just just but, get but, it done. But the point is that um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the demand for electric cars has just collapsed. Of course. And uh, the head of Toyota... Uh, that is the main manufacturer of electric cars, whose last name happens to be Toyota, uh, (laughs) said that that it's a fantasy, said we're not going to be able to do that. And electric cars are not selling, they're not in demand, and yet the government's trying to inflict them on us by tax uh, credits and all kinds of stuff. Because it looks good for them. Yep. It looks good for them, the government. 90% of all electric vehicles are still on the road. The other 10% made it... (laughs) Made it home. Made it home. (laughs) (laughs) That is cool. It's true, though. Come on. When you when you figure it out, that'll be great. It costs much more. They cost more than a regular car. They have to be recharged every... Um, every 200 miles, the recharging takes at least one and poss- possibly two or even three days, and it's great. You know, you know what it's like. Bargain. You know what it's like. Remember the first computer and what NASA and everything was like. Your whole room for a computer. Yep. Right, and now you have it on your phone. That the battery. The battery's got to be the whole size of the chassis of the car. In 10 years from now, maybe the battery will be small. You know. Well. I believe that in 10 years from now, this problem will go away. Electric cars are going to go away. Hydrogen cars, right, exactly. Which is what they should have done in the first That's place. That's right. Cars can run on hydrogen. That's right. And uh, Well, they have to figure out the you, safety behind get, that. Yeah, okay, they That's do. That's okay. Don't and get they it. They don't want to be the von Hindenburg blimp that blew up. Yeah. But, um, but the point is that, that you, can, you can get the hydrogen from electrolysis of water. Uh, it leaves a residue of a trail of... Of, uh, mist, well, mist and water down the yeah, road, vapor. and uh, and it's uh, it's it's very it's very good. It can be made safe, and uh, and you just put hydrogen stations around the country. Basically, the government's got to get out of the way. Let well, the, let capitalism, yeah, and, they, and smart guys figure it out. They do, but just like the government built the roads, the government should build should convert. Gas stations to hydrogen stations. They're going to have to. And give them backup facilities where they can do that. And once you do that, the electric vehicle is going to go bye-bye. It's going to go Uh, bye-bye. Because after all, who's kidding who? When you have an electric vehicle, where does the electricity come from? That's right. It comes from fossil fuels. Uh, 75% of our energy comes from non-renewable sources. So this is really cool. We're going to save the planet by charging our car with electricity made by burning coal so that we can have clean cars. And, and child labor in yeah, China to get the mineral, to get all the uh, stones and whatnot. Sure. Okay, when we come back, uh, this ongoing saga of how the administration is backing Iran by giving it money, uh, we'll play another chapter in our show. Hmm. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am 
Welcome back. This is Dick Morris with Doug DePiro. Hello, Dick. The show is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. We were talking earlier about the coming collapse of the banking industry. And the, and the, unlike last time, uh, you're not going to have a government bailout. You're going to be the bailout. The, they call it a bail-in, where everybody who has deposits in the bank automatically is considered a stockholder. And the government then goes after them for their stock wasn't stock they invested in the bank. They filled out a deposit slip for their checking account. They but want to the save their money. Government is going to consider not save it, spend it. They checking account. I'm saying the people. Yeah, right. The, we're not talking about savings accounts here. We're talking about we're not talking about buying stock. Right. We're not talking about even the savings account. We're talking about a checking account where you put the money and you plan to use it tomorrow, and they're claiming that that's an investment in stock, and that if the bank falls short, they can recapture that. And they call it a haircut. Very and polite. they could do this? They can. And you said they're already... They uh, Congress has passed a law permitting that. Oh, my already. God. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. Uh, and they say it's a haircut. I personally believe the blade falls a little bit south of your hair. Yeah, it's a your neck. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's go to Richie in the Bronx, who has some thoughts about that. Hey, Richie. Hi. Good afternoon, Dick. Good. Um, I think there are... A couple of other possible responses to the bank situation. Uh, firstly, if they hold the investments to maturity, they will receive face value for the investments. Yeah. Secondly, if they invest all additional investable funds that currently become available into very short-term investments. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're cutting off there. Yes. You- Yes, so you cut off after short-term investment. If they invest uh, any additional investable funds that currently become available, if they invest them into very short-term investments, um, that's an also another possible response to well, the situation. Yeah, but, but neither of those, I think, were, are, are applicable. The um, if they held this stuff to maturity, yeah. But the way the economy and banking works is that it's the assets you currently have. And the bank, if the bank currently has bonds where the interest rate has gone up and you can sell those bonds for half of what their face value, they're only worth half of their face value. It's comforting to know that in 10 years they'll be worth the full amount, but the FDIC doesn't give a damn. Uh, it's what you have right now available. And the fact of the matter is that if you bought a treasury bill at 3% for a million dollars and now interest rates are 6%, you're only going to get half a million dollars for that. So you can only get half a million for it. And the FDIC and the Fed will only credit you with half a million of capital. Otherwise, they'll let you run essentially a deficit with your depositors' money. So it makes sense. And short-term rates... Uh, bounce all over the place, and uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to be uh, adequate. And it, it's not your principal, it's the amount of the interest that matters there. But thanks, Richie. I appreciate the thought. I'm getting a headache. Now, um, what we were talking about electric cars and how they are doomed to failure. And let's go to Johnny in Sullivan County who talk about that. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? We spoke last week about the uh, scam of the windmills. Yeah. killing the whales. Yeah. You yeah. know, hearing all the stuff you're talking about, Mr. Morris, I mean, uh, no wonder I can't sleep at night. I mean, 
I just, I just came out with a novel. I prefer that, that too. I put you to sleep. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, you're phenomenal. I mean, all the stuff I'm hearing uh, makes my novel that just got published more realistic about how we were literally better off when the mob was around. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. 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 Anyway, I want to ask you guys a question. Have any of you two gentlemen heard about this recent bill passed by um, by these politicians where I think within a year and a half from now, it'll be a law that every vehicle, every person who owns a vehicle of any kind, whether it be a car, pickup truck or what have you, uh, has to have this device installed where the government at any whim can just shut your car off. I heard mm-hmm. about this. And it could be hacked into by, say, someone from China, mm-hmm. Russia, and you could be in the middle of your trip out to see a family, and on a highway in the middle of nowhere, your car just shuts off. So well, what mm-hmm. is the purpose of them doing this? Yeah, I've never heard about Control. that. That's interesting. We've got to uh, look into it. Of it's, course, the, the, sequel, grab. the sequel to that is digital banking, sure. where, you, where your money is, is, is held in a digital account. That everybody can see and uh, smart and, meters, and you can turn it. And the government can turn it off whenever they like, so that you take your debit card to a vendor, and you want to buy cigarettes, and the government doesn't think you should smoke, <laughs> so they turn off your card, and it's 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 a piece of plastic. It's not going to help you. And uh, but I'll, I'll check that out, Johnny. That's interesting. Also, like the smart meters, also and your your electric meters in your house. Yeah, the that, thing you talked about. That's a the while other back. thing. The the tech, the uh, electric companies are begging people to switch to smart meters in their house. Their current electric meters can monitor how much electricity you're using in which room of the house at which time of day, and that's intrusive enough. Uh, you can't have a border without their knowing about it. You can't grow pot without their knowing about it. No. But yeah, <laughs> but the but um, what they want to do is to monitor your use in every end room at every time of day. First of all, and they say that this will help you cut your power bill. Well, what happened to the Fourth Amendment against illegal searches and seizures? When the electric company can tell when you were in the room, when you weren't in the room, were you home when the murder took place, or were you out, as your alibi says? (laughs) And uh, and they can just check your meters and find that out. There was a woman in... I think Jersey, I forget she called in, and she said they just installed this meter without her, and then she wanted to do away with it, and it cost her, I don't know, $150 plus $50 a month, whatever it was. Exactly. They're charging people money to have the electric meter taken out. Out. Like a ransom. uh, A ransom, and there's a down payment and then you're a monthly fee for not having, having a meter. It, right. The woman, I think, in Jersey, yeah, again. She is. Yeah. And then there's another slight problem, which is it gives you cancer. Uh, the uh, the radio waves that are emitted uh, are, are potentially carcinogenic. Oh, oh, they're saying, by the way, the electric cars. Yeah, right. There's radio waves and electric yeah. and whatnot. Good. There's a couple of studies I read last week. I didn't get into them, but there's some problems with that. That's You're sitting on this giant magnet, yeah. you know, this giant right. battery. So, um, Iran exported nearly 1.4 million barrels per day in October. 1.4 million barrels of oil a day. And you do the math, if oil's selling for 80 bucks a barrel, uh, that's, that's over a million dollars a day. That's uh, and and it goes to right to the treasury that subsidizes Hamas. 
Now, when Trump was around and we had a, an oil embargo, Iran averaged 700,000 barrels a day. Now they're up to 1.4 million barrels a day. And that surge in, in oil exports since Biden took over has brought Iran an additional 32 to $35 billion a year. Unbelievable. The State Department says that Iran gives Hamas $100 million a year, but they could give them a lot more with that. because they have 32 And we billion were energy independent with Trump. Yeah, That's we were. the other thing. And these guys could not use that for power. There was no way that that would be a power for them. And um, so hit it. And uh, so this this process continues. And then you look at this war in the Middle East and you realize that this is a war where we are subsidizing both sides again. Our oil money is subsidizing the bad guys. Our aid is subsidizing the good guys. If we just choose the good guys, there wouldn't be any war. Mm. The, if Donald Trump's oil embargo against Iran was still on the books, uh, Iran would never be able to help Hamas. Right. And this never would have been as serious as it is. And as we said in the last week's show, it's not just Hamas, it's Qatar as well. And uh, the, the oil prices really are subsidizing this offensive. So when you see what the, uh, what the Palestinians are doing, what Hamas is doing, understand that we are the ones that are enabling them to do it. Um, I think that's I think that's very important. So, um, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, we have we have a tune for him. Let's hit it. Should I sing it? Hit it, guys. Anybody? Is anybody home? Is anyone? Oh, that's what we should play. Yeah. Is anyone right. in it? Where am I? Okay. We should be playing taps because I keyed that up. Right. But um, Vivek Ramaswamy has basically fired or reallocated his staff of 40 people. He's moved them to Iowa and New Hampshire and uh, he, to, to bolster his showing in the caucuses. We should have played that anyway because of Veterans Day. Oh, yeah, that's so bittersweet, I mean, such a beautiful... My God, what an amazing memory that, that conjures. Yes. I just see those tombs, those graveyards in Normandy. And Arlington. Arlington and Normandy with it lined up in a row wow. at the crosses with the, the Star stars. of David. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And um, 
incredible. I, I shouldn't really have used it for Vivek Ramaswamy. He doesn't deserve that. Right, no. But You're uh, right. This, this clown uh, thought that he could run for president with absolutely no experience in politics, no knowledge of politics. And uh, and he got in basically by blaming everybody. Who is he from? Where I know where he's from, he's but I mean, a, who was he? I think he's a uh, tech entrepreneur. Uh, I forget, but uh-huh. he made a lot of money and he decided to spend it running for president, right, promoting himself. Yeah, right. And at the first, he seemed good because he was going around saying everybody's corrupt and everybody's wrong, and right. I'm the only good pure message. guy in town. Uh-huh. And then he had to talk about something else. And the first thing he said was that we should reduce our aid to Israel. This was before the invasion. Reduce our aid to Israel so it's no more than we give any other country in the Middle East. <laughs> uh, and we give Israel $4 billion a year. That would cut their aid to about $700 million a year. And, uh, just, and where they get their army, I don't know. Right. And then he continued this hit parade by saying that the conflict between Russia and Ukraine was a territorial dispute and not worth any American intervention. He said that. He said that also. Yep. And then he also said, um, "Yeah." Then he, I think, he also came out for making Social Security voluntary. I could be wrong about that, folks, but uh, not certain about that. But um, a terrible candidate, and God, he almost got elected. I mean, he almost had a significant vote share. And when guys come out of, come out from nowhere and run, uh, you can't assume that they're good people. Uh, we should have learned our lesson with Barack Obama. No one even knew who Barack Obama was. They, yeah. The media didn't talk about him. Whatever. Into Let's it. go to Donald in New York. Hi, Donald. Uh, hi, Dick. So I um, two things. One is a you know I. I don't know how the best tactic is to, to blow up the connect. I mean, look, people talk about Biden, Biden. Reality is, you know, Biden is just a village idiot for, for Obama, you, you know, and to give him plausible deniability. You know, re- reality is just kind of blowing up all these policies of Biden, whatever he's doing is, is, is driven by Obama. But the, but the bigger question is, is to, to try to, to, to connect his wife who, you know, again, I've been talking about this for quite some time, is to try and connect his wife to him. And because people keep throwing her out there as a, as a strong candidate against Trump, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have to you have to kind of associate her with him and his policies and, and all the badness and evil of, of the Obama administration and him and the, and the whole communist kind of driven, you know, ideology yeah. of his. To her, because as opposed to just coming in as a, as a to, to to get back to high school civics, like as, as the dark horse candidate at, at the eleventh hour, and yeah. coming in like you know like uh, like like well, the British kind of like looking polite and drinking you know tea and horse and carriages and and uh, hiding behind a veneer of of niceness, you know. Well, so, I think that I think that the world is seeing. A lot of Barack Obama now uh, in the Israeli-Palestinian war. <clears throat> uh, I, I guess you, explain. I guess you heard me talking earlier about what Dershowitz had to yes, say about yes, that. yes, yes. That uh, he, that he is no that Obama is no friend of Israel, right? And he speaks about being even-handed uh, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And I just listen to that and I say, 
uh, why doesn't it be even-handed between the Nazis and the Jews? Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's it's the same kind of thing. Uh, even-handed sometimes is very bad. Uh, it's important to be solidly on the side of the good and against the evil. And when you have an issue that can be defined that way, as I believe the Arab-Israeli issue can be, uh, Obama really flunks that test. It's important to understand Obama's mindset. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza explained it well in his first major book, The Roots of Obama's Rage. Mm-hmm. And Obama hated that, the, the book. But it's so accurate. He went back and looked at Obama's letters as a kid. And he, Obama's father grew up in Kenya. And in Kenya, the British you were just talking about were the colonial power. And the colonial power exploited the Kenyans, uh, stopped their development, stopped their education, discriminated against them, uh, not as badly as some colonial powers did. The Portuguese were the worst and the Belgians were in line. But, uh, it, but Britain wasn't much good either. And, uh, the, and he basically, uh, and, and basically Obama, uh, came, grew up seeing the British as bad and seeing colonialism as the root of all evil. I remember then once uh, General Eisenhower was talking to Franklin Roosevelt, and uh, Roosevelt told him if the United States did not have to apologize for what Britain and France did in their colonial policies, it would be a totally different world. And, uh, And that really is reflecting what Obama thinks. But it's no longer the case, and the United States was never a colonial power, and uh, it's it's absurd to apply that logic to the situation, and yet that's what he's trying to do now, and I think that's a that's a big mistake. And I just want to put out, put out the call the call in number one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 eight four eight nine two 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 the call in number the nine two two is WABC right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about the greatest show that nobody came. So you know, they say, suppose they gave a war and nobody came. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, suppose they gave a debate and nobody watched. Oh, right. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Hi, welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro, sponsored Hello. by Patriot Gold. Boy, what a crock that quote from Mario from Andrew Cuomo was. Yeah. Uh, we have to look at what's the same and not let differences divide us. Yeah. How about the fact that 215,000 people moved out of your damn state last <laughs> week right. because of the taxes you imposed and the regulations that you imposed? Right. And how about the fact that California has literally imported, uh, at least not, that Texas and Florida have imported everybody that you lost. I wonder if he's got how stock about, in U-Haul. How about taking, and, and you talk about uh, the things that divide us. Well, there are about, I forget what the stat is, I think it's 10,000 people, who more than 10,000, I think it was like 6,000, 6, died in nursing homes from COVID oh, because you put COVID patients in the nursing homes. 
and, and they ordered had the ships the, and, and the ordered hospital. the nursing home to accommodate them, right. despite the fact that they were contagious and there were empty hospital ships floating in the Hudson and River. And Jacob Javits Center yeah. and the whole so thing. We're, so we're supposed to ignore that and we're right. supposed to focus on the things that unite us. Well, tell you what unites us. You ruined New York State. Right. And you also banned everybody from drilling, from fracking upstate that would have saved upstate and given this given it the same level of wealth as outstate Pennsylvania right. has or North Dakota has. And you did that. So, uh, so they, it's a garbage he, is what yeah, Dick is trying to say. I was called and they said to me, Andrew Cuomo wants to come on the, the radio. And I said, not on my show. He's not. That was great. But I, I should have, I should have had him because I would have had a lot of fun giving him this kind of stuff. <laughs> Forget it now. He's not calling in. So, By so, the way, the, the guys at the studio called me and said, uh, you mispronounce Ramaswamy. It's Ramashami. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, the viewership of the third debate absolutely sucked, uh, the third debate among Republican candidates. Uh, there's a decline both in the number of candidates, the quality of the debate, and the, quality, and the number of people in the audience. Viewership was just over 6 million viewers, 45% down from the first debate, which was an all-time low for political debates. So when is the dumb Republican Party going to stop airing these debates? They're not. I mean, why don't they get two can- a bunch of candidates running for dog catcher and have them <laughs> on? Uh, now, I, I would watch that. And, and by having these debates, it perpetuates the illusion that there still is primaries. And that's true. We've got a bunch of them to go. But why don't you take races where guys unopposed and run debates? I mean, this is, is so absurd. What are the numbers? Trump's up like 60? Trump's at 61% of the... And they're all in single single digits. digits, Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that the Republican Party is doing this basically because they sold ad space based on it. They 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 predicated their programming based on it. Mm -hmm. And they're just not flexible enough to change. And uh, it it is ridiculous to have these debates. And ridiculous to provide a forum to people like Chris Christie to dump on Donald Trump. Do you that's all it is. You notice he stopped dumping on him, though, because he figures it's bad for his ratings. But still, it's, it's, it's outrageous that they're doing that. Let's go to Joe in Manhattan. Hi, Joe. You know, I think, hi, Doug. Um, basically, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I'm looking at what's going on with now the riots. you got these marches now going on. We had it yesterday with the... Um, because of what's going on in Israel with, with the Hamas. And you see all these useful idiots that were doing the same thing three years ago with, uh, with the George Floyd. They're all white kids out there. They're waving the Palestinian flag. They're going around. They're taking off American flags, putting on Palestinian flags. Do you think the Democrats are trying to set us up next year for something bad to happen because they're going to get everyone wild up around here in this country? They're running a world war. We'll have this country here. And that's what's going to yeah. happen. I think that's what they want. Well, they might. Divide and conquer. But let's just say on the demonstrations. Um, I think these demonstrations are really transforming the Jewish vote in New York and certainly in Florida. In a good way, you mean? In a good way, yeah. Because it is so obvious that this is not a genuine cause. This is anti-Semitism advancing in a different garb. And uh, instead of kill the Jews, we have killed the Israelis. Instead of calling the Jews uh, the the evil force behind global finance, like Hitler did, uh, we say they're saying Israel is the evil force, 
And uh, this is pure anti-Semitism. Now, Trump has a really interesting solution to this that I talked about a couple of weeks ago and last week, I think, too. He says, why are we spending all of this money on higher education, paying all these professors these high salaries, charging our kids enough tuition to bankrupt them at the start of their lives and keep them in debtor's prison, in effect, when they should be out preparing to live their lives, Mm -hmm. when the money goes to turning students into communists and terrorists and crazies and thugs. Why are we doing this? And the answer is that the radicals have taken over long since the higher education industry, and they have set themselves up as the credentialing mechanisms in our society. Nobody goes to college because they're anxious to hear what Professor Schmidlap has to say or that they want to learn about the subject they're doing. They're doing it because you have to do it to get a job. You have to go to college, be a college graduate, to have a chance to compete for a decent income. Just that piece of paper. Or you have to go to, to college or law school to be able to become a lawyer, or become a doctor, mm-hmm. or become an accountant. You want to be anything above pumping gas, you've got to go to college, and that means you have to apply to a, the education establishment, have them evaluate you, and decide whether to admit you or not. And if they do admit you, you get the privilege of paying way more than you should for an education that's far worse than you should. The privilege of paying more. But, but coupled with indoctrination yeah, right. that just goes on and on and on. That's the problem. So what Trump said is the hell with all of this. We're going to provide an alternate vehicle to get credentialed. If you don't have a BA or you don't have a high school degree or you don't have a master's or a doctorate and you want one and you're an American citizen, and you meet the qualifications, we will give you free college. Not free college by paying a university to educate you and paying these no-good professors. We'll set up our own college, the American Academy, and Marxism will not be permitted there. And every American can attend for free. And where is the money going to come from? And this is the coolest part. In 2017... Trump imposed a tax on the endowments of colleges. Harvard's walking around with, I think, a you know hundred, several hundred million dollar endowment, and uh, he said we're going to tax them at one point seven percent, and he netted forty five million dollars for that, and uh, now he's going to extend that, raise that, and he's going to tax money from their endowments, and uh, that will be enough to pay for this American university. So Bernie Sanders runs around saying free college. Well, yeah, but but the free college continues to subsidize the system. Trump is saying replace the colleges and do it for free and set up an alternate mechanism for credentialing people. And, you know, a big part of this also is unused credits. Uh, my wife uh, went to nursing school when she was young, and she uh, attended the University of South Carolina. And she accumulated about 40 credits for a nurse, and she decided not to be a nurse. So when she decided to go back to school, she had to start at zero and, uh, and, and then get her credits. What Trump is saying is we'll admit those credits to the degree from the American Academy. We'll put them to use. You won't have to spend the money again. And uh, I think that this is a vehicle for disenfranchising and eliminating the power 
of the education establishment. Um, I think that it's a fabulous proposal. Sounds I think like it's a great move. Deal really with a lot does. of what we have here. Let's go to Chris in North New Jersey. Hi, Chris. Hey, Dick. How are you, sir? Doing great. A couple of things. One, we'll never experience this in a long time, uh, the movement where Trump started. And then, two, you know, he should do a commercial. What would you say? What would you just say? I says we'll never see a movement of what Oh, Trump like it. Started. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, you're right And then, that. two, he should do a commercial geared toward Democrats and saying, look, this is where the hatred for me started. And showing the inaugural speech where he calls out the deep state and the corruption oh. and he gets mm-hmm. it. Yep. yep. Well, I think I think he will, but I think we're not up to that yet. Uh, we still have to get through the primaries. And uh, and as long as the Republican committee wants to pretend that they still exist, we have to still compete in them. And then I think you can get a bunch of that after that. But thanks for your call. I appreciate it. And, you know, we sat with General Flynn, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, and he made a great point. He said, we have to look at for eight, 12 years, mm-hmm. not just four years of Trump. We yeah. have to look at the next guy that's coming up yeah. also. Yeah. We have to think about 12 years. Well, the key element of that is switching the constituencies that undergird the Democratic Party. As I've said, we've gone from 12% of the black vote to 27 We've gone from 26% of the Latino vote to 39. Mm-hmm. We've flipped the under 25 vote from 10 negative to 10 positive. Um, when you take the voters under 35, where we pulled even, whereas we lost them by 20 points in 2020. So that's how you set the stage, and then sure. the other presidents come in. And, well, I, like and I said that. last week, you know, the the – the dichotomy or the, the contrast between Biden and Trump is so amazing that even the little kids, the useful idiots, have to start to say, well, wait a minute, I can't get out of my mother's house. I can't buy a car. I can't. So this thing is doing some good. I hate to say it, Joe Biden, what a horrible thing he is. Well, it but is. It's bringing people into touch. You can have all the economists you want lecture right. about if you print too much money and you spend too much money and too much money chases too few goods, prices rise. And that's great for a seminar, but it's a lot better to see it at the supermarket and at the gas station right. and in tuition and in rent and everything else, in health insurance premiums, in mortgage rates. And every place a young person goes, he bangs into the reality that Biden is taking his future. Right. Uh, he lives in the basement of his mother's apartment. No matter what his friends say in the basement. He can't, he can't get a new apartment. Uh, he can't get married. Right. If he's married, he can't have children. Buy a house. I mean, buy a house. I mean, yeah. all of the rites of passage of, of humanity are denied to him uh, because of the inflation. So it doesn't matter what the professor in the college has been saying to him for the last four years. And for, for those of us who are not in that situation... Inflation is bad. We have to cut back on our Christmas list. We can't get the presents we want. We uh, we can't buy the new car or the new house or whatever. But when you're a kid and you're living in the basement and that's it. And you want to get married. Yeah. Right. And, and then, then that becomes a terrible obstacle. And that's why the Trump revolution is happening from the bottom up chronologically. The younger you are, 
the more likely you are to switch off of the Democrats and go to Trump and the Republicans. What a great show. And the nice thing about that is that these kids grow up and they go into the, uh, the bloodstream and they stay, uh, they stay there and each year the country becomes more Republican. Amazing. Well, thank you. This That's was fun. It's been an honor yeah, to be here with great. you, Dick Morris. It's a great show today. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. See yeah, you later. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.